0: Welcome to a sporting discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I'm Andrew Donison, and
1: I'm joined by a man who's just happy that no one got injured, AJ Mithun. What's happening, everybody? How are you all going? You can't reply because this is the podcast, but I hope you're all having a good day, whatever it is you're doing. AJ. Yes. Today we're going to talk about one of
0: your favourite topics of the last couple of weeks. Let's have it AFLX. AFLX. Yeah. So. X is for extreme. Now, what we're going to talk about though is a, a question that you put out on the social medias. Mm. What was it? Like what? What was AFL-X it? AFLX
1: yeah. was and just asking people. Yeah. Just asking them. Got a lot of good feedback from the listeners. And. Mm. um I'm sure everyone will be fascinated to hear our thoughts too. Oh, absolutely.
0: We'll also talk AFLW as it's sort of getting towards the the midpoint of the season after 3 rounds. Business time. Joyous, joyful, wonderful Winter Olympics. <laughs>
1: Is that still going? Oh, yeah. It feels like it's been going for three months. It's
0: the best. We're going to talk a little bit about drugs in sport. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no. Performance enhancing (laughs) drugs in sport. (laughs) And then we're going to touch on just a couple of excellent performances, not just this year, but over a sustained period of time. And, Mm. AJ, Mm. I
1: am going to dispel a myth. Oh Yeah. Do it now. Do it now. Dispel the myth now. Really? Do we have an intro or something? do do do
0: Just about myth. (laughs) Yes. Now, it's Winter Olympics time.
1: Whoa, is it? Yep. You know what that means. Since 2011, it feels like.
0: We are such a grump, old (laughs) negative Nancy over here. (laughs) Since 2002, though, whenever the Winter Olympics have come around, Australians know it for one reason and one reason only, Stephen Bradbury. Oh, he fell over. He and, fell over. Sorry, every, everyone else fell over and he won a gold
1: medal. Yeah. And that's it. That's what Australian Winter Olympics is all about. Just hanging out the back and letting everyone else fall over. You look serious though. I'm going to put the mic down. I'm going to no, turn, no, no. no. I'm going to turn my mic down no, no, no. and let you have at no, it. No, okay. no. no I, I, want,
0: I want your immediate reactions as I'm, as I'm talking. Because in 1991, yes. 11 years before that, yep. Stephen Bradbury was part of Australia's first ever World Championship Winter Sport gold medal. Gold medal? Gold medal. The World Championships, he won the 5,000-meter relay. So, I, did, I did not know that. 1992, he mm-hmm. went to the Olympics. He didn't compete. He was, on, it was one of the reserves. Yeah. In those games, the sh- Australian short-track relay team went in as world champion, and they crashed in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So they were in third place, and it was Richard Nazilski. Lost his foot in, crashed
1: bloody نزيلسي Nizil, yes. never to
0: be heard from again except in the 1994 Olympics <laughs> where Stephen Bradbury was part of the short track relay team that won Australia's first ever Winter Olympics medal a bronze medal now they were in the final that's a four to per, four person final mm-hmm. so they adopted a plan of staying on their feet as a first priority yeah. and not getting disqualified Oh, well, there you go. And they, they just wanted to beat one person home to try to win to get a medal. Because yes. Australia never won one. A podium finish. Okay. The Canadians fell yep. and they lost a heap of time. Australia would win if they didn't crash. Mm-hmm. That man, Richard Nazilski, yeah. he was neck and neck with oh, the don't. American racer. Yeah. But I think he thought back to the previous Olympics and went, no, I'm just going to back off a little bit and guarantee us a medal rather than crashing out for a second year or second Olympics in a row. Fair enough. So Stephen Bradbury, part of that team, that four-person relay, became the first Australian Winter Olympic medalist in 1994. 1994. 1994. He was also, Stephen Bradbury, favourite for the 1,000-metre individual event. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. I know. He competed in the 500-metre event where he was knocked over by a rival and ended up coming Fourth in the semi and yep. didn't make the final. In the thousand meter event where he was favourite, he fell over after being illegally pushed by a competitor. That competitor later disqualified, but for some reason Bradbury wasn't reinstated. So he was favourite, fell yep. over, gone, done. Cactus. Jeez, that's harsh. Nineteen ninety four, he almost died.
1: On that's the- right. I heard. Yeah,
0: tell that. Tell that story. I know that bit. I didn't know any of the other stuff. Yeah. 1994 World Cup event, he, a, a skater's blade sliced through his right thigh after a collision, yeah, yeah. through one side, through to the other side, oh. lost four litres of blood, all four quad muscles sliced. Oh. His heart rate had been up at 200 during the end of the race. The blood was oh, just blood pumping. Was, oh, he needed 111 stitches. He oh. couldn't move for three weeks, and he needed 18 months before it was back to full strength. Good God! So, 1998 Olympics. He got
1: back after that, yeah. made the Olympics, but they didn't do so That's well. That's just incredible. Getting back from that, yeah, to, to walk. Yep. Let yeah. alone go to the. Non- so this is so this is what three Olympics he's been to. Two Olympics so far. Uh, so he was in the ninety two. Ninety two. Compete then compete. the ninety
0: four and the ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. All right. But then he was in the '98 Olympics again, another medal chance in the 500 meter and a thousand meter individual. Not the favourite this time, but he was. So there were some crashes that happened in front of him. He was impeded by those. He didn't make the the finals. So bad luck. 2000, he broke his neck. Shit. It was in this a training the, are you accident. You sure this
1: is all the one oh, guy?
0: Yep, in a training accident. Someone fell in front of him, so he tried to jump over, but he clipped him and tripped headfirst into the barriers, fractured his C4 and C5, spent a month and a half in a brace, needed four pins inserted in his skull, and screws and plates into his back and chest. Doctors (laughs) said he wouldn't be able to take the ice again. But because... This is incredible. Because he had experienced Winter Olympics being favourite and... Being pushed, and being over, pushed and, over and losing and also uh, yeah, other crashing incidences. Two thousand and two he's gone, bugger it, I'm gonna have another crack. Fair enough. And remember all the way back to so This
1: is what, fifteen, sixteen years after your story begins.
0: Twelve years. Twelve years, 12 years, 12 years after, yeah. <laughs> and remember all the way back to that nineteen ninety two Olympics and Richard Nazilski, how Nizilski. he lost his foot in yep. so that Has been a common thread all through Where the Mm. Australians at the 94 just went Let's just stay out of trouble To get our first medal Maintain your feet This time Bradbury He won his heat Good on him In the quarterfinal Only two progressed He was up against the favourite And also the defending world champion Mm -hmm. He finished third Yep until the defending world champion was disqualified, so he went through to the semifinal. Okay. And that's when he said to his spoke with his coach and said, I'm not fast enough. I'm just going to hang out the back and hope for crashes. Fair enough. Because not just because he thought I might be able to, because he had seen, seen that it. constantly he'd been, happen. He'd been part of it happening. He'd
1: been yeah. the guy,
0: he'd been the favourite that so crashed. Karma, out.
1: Karma went on a, a more than a decade long loop yep. to come around and give Steve Bradbury what was his. semi-final crash. He came first. Final. Crash. He came first.
0: He was 15 metres behind with 50 metres to go. That's incredible. Run right around one. Now, the quote that he said after that race, obviously I wasn't the fastest skater. I don't think I'll take the medal as the minute and a half of the race I actually won. I'll take it as the last decade of the hard slog I put in. Hell Not yeah. mentioning the fact that Hells he broke yes. his neck and, and almost died through losing four litres, litres of blood. Life. Now, what... So that's an
1: incredible story. Yeah, but that what do we I don't hear think about? a lot of people know. We hear
0: about Stephen Bradbury winning a gold medal because people fell
1: over. Yeah. So you, there's you, a lot you, more you, to you, the Bradbury story. Like there's a hell of a lot more to it, and it's you get the feeling just hearing all that that there's a bit more than just a lovable lucky idiot who hung out the back and everyone just fell over don't you
0: yeah well as as we said it happened to him he was the favorite that fell over was pushed over so he knows how easy it is to to happen it was a genuine tactic and it was a tactic based on past precedents. so whenever anyone says to you Stephen bubby or the lucky gold medalist going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> listen to this podcast <laughs> Put them onto us. You don't have to relay the story. No. Put them onto this episode. Not relay the story if you can do it better than Andrew But that was pretty good. I got to say. No. Ah, there you go. So let's take a bit of a break because I'm I'm exhausted just <laughs> thinking about all of that.
1: My mind is blown. Andrew, I don't know if it's the society we live in or the times we are in or if it's just this thing was pretty bad, but AFL-X X for, is for Extreme debuted on the weekend. Mm. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Melbourne. Uh, where was the second one? Adelaide. Adelaide. Friday and Saturday? Yeah, whatever. Whenever it was. In Adelaide. Yeah, it shows how much you care about Adelaide, it. Melbourne, and Sydney. Uh it is a, what, modified Australian rules on a football pitch. That's AFL 7s. AFL 7s. AFL 7s <laughs> with nine players.
0: Which is better. No, no, well, I think that's what the X is for, 10. Seven on the field, three on the bench. Oh, all
1: right. Yeah, not
0: well, extreme. But the thing is, AFL 7s and AFL 9s has been around for a long time as a, a social game. Mm. I've played it.
1: I've played it, oh God, 15 years ago. It's just interesting that uh, everyone absolutely tore... AFL extra shreds mm-hmm. over the weekend, both before, during, and after. Before, during, and after, mind you, it didn't help the launch with acrobats and a big, bloody, weird-looking footy suit guy and and Gil McLaughlin holding a zuper. Gil McLaughlin holding a zuper duper and two, with all respect, no-name players from dud teams in St Kilda and North Melbourne. Oh, Jack Billings and someone else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. someone else. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Andrew, here's the question: I've waffled around this. Did the did the AFLX carnival really warrant such scorn and derision and takedowns? Did it warrant it? No. Was it always going to get it? Absolutely. Richard Hines wrote
0: the most Richard Hines article ever. Of course, he was going to hate <laughs> AFLX. I just Craig Little in the Guardian didn't like it either. Oh, uh, there you go. It was mindless entertainment, but. They were, I remember watching the first game, Geelong and Port Adelaide. I was watching it with my dad and we were in fits of laughter watching the ball ping from one end to the other. It was just entertaining. I, I
1: liked it. It was tackle free though, wasn't it? I'm not sure I saw 10 tackles over the time I was watching it on a Thursday night. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe
0: it's a game that, that isn't about tackling. Remember, it's not AFL.
1: Uh, I there, was this, X. there was this whole. The X is for extraordinary. Yes, ten.
0: Um, <laughs> the the thing that I found amusing was that that whole thing. Oh, there was no tackling, there was no contest, there was no high marking. Uh, yep. So you, you've you've clearly never seen a game of, of AFL sevens or nines mm. before. That's not what it's about. It's about fast ball Keeping movement. The ball moving. But also, all the talk over the past couple of years in the AFL has been, oh, there's too much congestion. Let's like f- open it up a bit. All right, we've opened it up. Oh, there's not enough congestion, so, which apparently suggests that there is a, a magic number of, of, of congestion that we're looking for. But I thought that it was just a bit of fun. The players seemed to absolutely love it.
1: Well, of course they did. It was just circle work, basically. Yeah, it was a training drill. It was funny watching the um, the Thursday night set. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching it going, yeah, this is pretty interesting enough, and then turned it off and kept watching Netflix. Yeah. but And I think the ratings indicated that so did everyone else because the Melbourne, uh, Melbourne version, sorry, the, the Adelaide version yep. rated, I think it was 100, 185 overall or 171,000, something like that. Yep. Um, absolutely flogged by the AFLW the week before. Yep. The Melbourne one on the Saturday rated... Barely, on a Friday, barely around. Oh, whenever it was, Andrew. Ad, um, Adelaide on Thursday, Melbourne on Friday, Sydney on Saturday. Semantics, um, <laughs> accurate semantics. Um, <laughs> uh, the Melbourne one rated about a hundred, and the Sydney one rated seventy. Okay, so they shared almost a hundred thousand viewers over the course of the. AFL X Carnival. Well, and
0: the crowds were, were interesting. Crowds were as absolutely well. the, putrid.
1: The Sydney one in particular, they Sydney got nine thousand. They did not. But they they did because I saw some for some reason the the uh, they decided to put people in the shade away from where the camera oh, was. Okay, based. fine. Um but having, they right. couldn't they couldn't pack out Hindmarsh Oval, which holds sixteen thousand with both Adelaide teams playing. But That's bad. That, that, that is bad, but the AFL, they did,
0: say, they did come out and say that the crowds were above their expectation. I think they well, expected 20,000 at Eddie Haddon. They got twenty two and a half? Yeah, they would say that, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, why not? If it
1: was 40,000, they would have said, yeah, we expected 35, but we got 40. Yeah, but was... I I think
0: that the people who say, oh, it's just not the game that we know. Of course it's not. It's a different game.
1: Well, it's the same as Test match to T20. It's interesting you say the players seem to enjoy it because... Uh, there were news articles coming out in uh, in the the days following the events that uh, all the players were just keen to take it overseas and give it a crack. Yeah. And just like the, uh, yeah, I think we should play this in New York City. Of course, yeah. I yeah. think we so, should play this in, uh, what, Buenos Aires, somewhere yeah, nice. What, you know? what, I, what I was saying
0: about the play, Tom Hawkins... Uh, and I don't know that he's got a goofy grin at the best of times, but he couldn't keep the smile off his face at the end of the first match. Said, "Oh, How was it? That was awesome. That was really so much fun. The ball's moving, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And if you go to any training session during preseason, they'd probably do a similar ball mm. movement uh, exercise and every- throw an extra player and throw an extra player in to congest it up. But personally, and I would say this, that I thought it was I thought it was fine. Was I invested over the the whole thing? No, not at all. Did I watch a Hawthorne game? I saw a little bit of it. I was at uh, a pub on Friday night, and I saw a little bit of it. But I, I didn't care if they won. But I understand where the AFL's going. They've had for a long time, they want to get overseas. They can't get overseas playing on a massive, massive oval. So what's the next best thing? Work out what is in Europe, what's in Asia, and then say, like, let's adapt a game to to those What features. was interesting to
1: me was that this is supposed to be the AFL's uh, push to take the game international, like yep. you just said. Yeah. But it turns out that in order to play this game, your skills and fitness need to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm not sure that'll go well out in Beijing or uh, Rio de Janeiro or something like that where they've literally never played the game before. Hey, come and play AFL X. The X is for expansive. And uh, just yeah. The, the, yeah. The, no I agree the great this was a preseason comp where it's the first hit out other than intra club, and I dare say this had less intensity than an intra club. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you could see the game at that highest level and the, with the amount of space on the field running, running, running and skills had to be maximum. That's not gonna work overseas. That's enough from us though, AJ. You put out a question on the social medias to the listeners, and what we did we of, get? We got a lot back. Chris Meister said AFLX was an appetizer to the main event. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Delamotte said it was enjoyable to watch as a rugby league fan. Fast paced for, with forward movement only. That's oh, a good point. Forward there we go. Um, we got Rudy Edsel, who's a friend of the show. I believe he's mm-hmm. been on. Yeah. Once said it was significantly inferior to AFLW, and we will get to that, Andrew. Yep. Rowan said it was emblematic of the bizarre agenda of the AFL executive and when asked to elaborate that's probably very long very long no, no, but really we, yeah. basically around um, trying to hand down degrees to its constituency rather than governing for the game's interests okay yeah well that's to summarize that you can see the actual comment on our Facebook.com slash a sporting discussion page. Stephen Quayle said it was not interesting. Tim Dodgson said it was significantly better than AFLW, but we'll get to that. Yep. Uh, Steve O'Mara said it was disruptive to the AFLW campaign. Mm. Alex Jacobs, it wasn't that exciting, but it actually has some future potential if those super goals go. We'll get to oh, that. Oh, see, I'm, I'm going to jump in there. No, no. I think that
0: they need to. Improve that and say if you kick a goal from within your own forty meters, it's then worth fifteen points. Get people uncorking a barrel
1: from have, sixty-five meters away. What have you been drinking? And the last one, I had a lot of super doopers. Not the last one. Sam Girardello said it's a great way to grow as he rules in countries like Japan, where they're only able to play on rectangular fields. But refer my earlier comment. But bingo, uh, Sam. Thanks for that, though. And. Xavier Player said it was insipid and my team won a flag, in inverted commas. Oh, please be a Melbourne supporter. Please be a Melbourne supporter. Yes. Maria Griffin said it was crap, boring, weird, and Kirsten Richards, not as interesting as the Winter Olympics. So I think that covers pretty much all spectrums there. (laughs) That's come out. It feels like it's come out 50-50.
0: Pretty much, yeah. 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 from one additional letter to another, we go AFL-X to AFL-W. It's been a big couple of weeks after there was the memo put out saying Ooh, to the teams, memo. please don't have too much congestion around the ball. And then this week, there were two instances, one in the Collingwood versus GWS match and one in the Fremantle versus Melbourne match, where the umpire actually stopped before a centre bounce and made the the spare player in a back line moved back to their position so they made sure they had five an umpire forwards, applying five backs.
1: the rules I don't rule. believe it. Oh sorry the vibe.
0: Yeah. I don't believe yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was that was interesting. But the quality of games has been variable. The opening the opener was horrible. Although as I said at the time when, you, for you're, the people very, that,
1: you're very passionate today. you for the people you're that animated, were, you're loud, you're into the, it. For the people that were there, I didn't
0: notice that it was a poor game. Mm. Carlton Brisbane this week, mm. from all reports, I didn't see that one, from all reports, was a fairly ordinary game. Yeah, But the, the other games have been... Been some pretty been good ones. Hype, but Adelaide I'm, Bulldogs was a good one. Oh, Aaron Phillips.
1: Um, Melbourne Fremantle wasn't a bad one either. Yep. That was
0: pretty good. And um, Collingwood GWS was a great game as well. GWS with just their second victory in the whole competition, the their first this year, and giving coach Alan McConnell his first oh, ever yeah. victory as <laughs> a senior coach because he filled in at Fitzroy. Fitzroy
1: to 11 losses, I think. I think he filled in at Fitzroy after. What's his name? Not Bernie Dunstan. What's his name? I can't oh. remember and it doesn't matter. No, you're yeah. right. That's but he, he came in as a caretaker coach and then I think he got the job anyway. But yeah, well. We'll move on with other stuff. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, but the, there's been the injuries, and, and we discussed that, and there's been a, a lot of talk around that. This week there were no knee injuries, but Katie Brennan hurt her ankle. So she, I think it, it's quite bad. I think she's, she's gone miss the rest of the she's season. She's gone the rest of the season. But in such a short season, normally, uh, well, not normally, last year, if you lost two matches, you were really going to struggle to make the finals. Mm. This year, Adelaide, they lost their first two matches, but they won on the weekend, and they're now only one game out of the, the top two yeah. because there's five teams on, on two wins and two teams on one. Who's on zero wins, though? AJ? It's
1: Collingwood. Collingwood zero and three to and go with a pretty ordinary uh, season season one. And what happened this week in in the media? Did, well... Kate Sheehan, who played for Collingwood mm-hmm. one game, um, I think she was injured and then came back from the injury and then did her knee within something like 30 seconds of being on the field. Yep. But anyway, yep. Um, that's neither here nor there because she's a former AFLW who's in the system and more importantly she's now the director of women's football at richmond That's yes the male competitions premiers, and i think they're going to be joining the league next year or yeah the year in, like they're in one the, of the, yeah, the in the next year in, intake uh she said rather pointedly on radio that uh the collingwood coach but seekman seekman uh should go but or did she yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. you got to wonder how someone like that keeps a job, Some, which yes. I, which I thought, wow, that's an interesting take. But so let's let's look at this from two perspectives. Yes. Let's look at it from
0: former player, mm-hmm. former Collingwood player, mm-hmm. current uh, host of or participant in panel shows and special comments in an AFLW on game day yep. on game day. That comment, all good. Play on, fine, yeah. AFL, Richmond's <laughs> a, Richmond's Women's Football Director manager, yeah. Football Manager, coming out and saying that about the Collingwood pl- war. Possibly not as good. Yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> think that you're in any position to do that. But she's conflicted, though, because she's in the media mm. and you wear the hat that you're Oh, given. Look,
1: you, a lot of people in the media choose between straight report or I'm coming out hard and it seems... Kate Sheehan has decided that she's coming out hard, like a Kane Corns type. Who, yeah, I say what I think and I say what I feel, but you got a Kane Corns does that because he's paid to be on radio full time. Uh, Kate Sheehan has an actual job where she's supposed to be running a football team.
0: Yeah, so it was a little bit interesting. There, there is actually uh, a or there is actually there are actually a lot of people who don't really like Kate Sheehan, and I got that impression. Yeah, and that's that's come out even more when this stuff has happened. People responding to articles. Just yeah, a lot
1: go- of, uh, there's a lot of talk about how qualified she is to be commenting on things like that. Oh, uh, uh, i tell you what, we are the last people to be telling someone how qualified they are to speak on anything. Exactly. Yep. Um, anyone can say whatever they like and you can like it or you can dislike it but the best part is you get to argue with them. You get yeah. to... Bring up the points that you don't like and you can debate it all you like. Mm -hmm. Or you can go on a blocking spree and just abuse everyone. Whatever takes (laughs) your fancy. (laughs) You had a little bit of uh, social media uh, interaction today over that, AJ? There's some sensitive souls out there, Andrew, who don't like being asked questions about anything. Fair enough. Their opinion. But the the whole point of the beauty of things like a sporting discussion and uh, having an opinion at all is that you put it out there Someone comes back at you, you live and die on your words. Exactly. You you live and die on your argument. I'm uh, happy to argue with anyone about AFLX. No, you're not. Happy to. Running away. (laughs) I'm right. Running away from arguments is not how you do it. And uh, Kate Sheehan kicked off a whirlpool of that this week.
0: She did. And So let's look at... The, the rest of the season for the AFLW, and because it is such a short season, we're almost halfway through. But, yeah, reigning Premier's Adelaide are the big talking point because they were cactus after two rounds, then Aaron Phillips came back, kicked four goals, mm. twice put the team back in front. Is four and the
1: most ever in a game?
0: Good question. Um, I think it is. We'll, check, we'll, we'll pin this one for research. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. say yes, but uh, unsure. Um they can still make it. They still can. And it shows the difference in the, the competition. It shows the difference in quality between the really top-line players and those that have only been in the system for a short period of time. Mm. You see Carlton struggle now with Brianna Davy out. Western Bulldogs are going to struggle like they did last year with Katie Brennan out. And the Adelaide Crows massively struggled with Aaron Phillips out. Is this a concern for a competition that wants to expand so quickly, having what is clearly a massive gulf between
1: the best players and the rest? It's going to be an issue, no doubt, but everyone's fully aware of that. No one's going into this, well, uh, you'd hope, no one's going into the next five, ten years of uh, the women's AFL comp thinking that there's going to be exponential uh, skills, ability, fitness, growth, you know, year on year, it's going to take a hell of a long time. It's going to take a generation yep. of players to come through the junior rounds to go through those, to get that game sense and game awareness that you get playing under 12s all the way up to under 19s into the reserves, into the seniors. Um, there's just a truckload of corporate knowledge, if you want to say, that isn't there. Yeah, And coaches can try as they may, but you can't teach that stuff. So the the fact that girls have, haven't have been able to have that consistent pathway now that that's there, things are going to get so much better. Mm. But I just think yeah, um all the knockers need to back it off, but it's so easy to knock. It um, is,
0: and the the worry for me is that when there are more teams introduced, it's going to give pile the knockers yeah. the, all that more. Well the memo
1: didn't help, but it, the little, the little known fact was that the apparently the coaches had agreed on a you know handshake agreement that that would be the style of play that they were going to coach for. Oh, in and the then, preseason they'd agree. before the whole competition yeah. started, and then basically Carlton Collingwood, and I think the Bulldogs to an extent, um, just went just, just went defensive. out and said right, three behind, three extras in defence. Yeah, okay. and off you go. And the result wasn't good.
0: No. Oh, well, let's see how the rest of this year goes. But for me, it's, yeah, it's those, those next few years when the next teams come in. And as you say, hopefully in eight, 10 years time, all of the, the young girls that are starting to, to play there in the under 12s, under eights now, they'll come through with a footy in their hand for the next 10 years and be able to improve the, the competition substantially.
1: The Winter Olympics are still going over in Pyongyang, South Korea, and everyone is very, very happy except for one person, and that is James Magnuson, the Missile. The Missile. He's, Uh, he's He's not a Winter Olympian. He thinks that the Winter Olympians aren't held to the same level of scrutiny... As the Summer Olympians. Right. He, he also said something about them being able
0: to pop headphones in and listen to music when they mm. when they do their events. Mm. Oh,
1: okay. You want to take this one? Well, maybe it's to... Just before you do, though, yeah. I'll just jump in and say... Oh, okay. There's an article in the paper today about the Winter Olympians uh, begging the Australian Sports Commission for more funding so that they mm. can actually uh, properly train and prepare for Winter Olympics... Uh, which is a problem James Magnuson doesn't have. That
0: that was going to be
1: my my yes. starting
0: my starting point. Well, I've stolen
1: it off you. Yep. The
0: amount of support that swimmers get, in particular, is insane, and I wonder whether it is the the whole Stillnox episode where Magnusson wasn't necessarily preparing himself in the best way that he possibly could, and interrupting other people's preparation and then when he went out and didn't perform as he was expected to based by after that i think he's probably bought a little bit of it on himself but i found that the winter olympics and i think we said it last week it's just it's so much more joyful in terms of the competitors than the summer olympics people are Ha- genuinely happy for the people who come first second third people are genuinely happy for the people who come last like Mexico the Mexican dude in the cross-country skiing the maybe not so much the the American Hungarian half-pipe snowboarder who um, <laughs> that de- really decided that she wanted to become an Olympian so found her grandmother's <laughs> Elizabeth Swaney. that's that the is. one yeah uh, she can't do any
1: tricks. That was really funny. But hey,
0: she qualified. She did what she needed to do to get
1: there. Let me ask you something though. Okay. Doesn't he have a point then? You've just completely, completely supported what he said. Yeah. So why are you firing up about it? Oh, hang on, but I,
0: see, so personally, I don't get as, I don't get as like, angry at our Summer Olympians not doing as well as some other people do. but, yeah, but a lot of th- people
1: do, which is his point.
0: Yeah, but so I think that where, where those people are coming from is maybe the, the persona that they perceive the athlete to have is this intense, really sort of focused and just not a nice person, whereas the Winter Olympians are just these cool people.
1: Yeah, but there's also a lot of the Australian Winter Olympians competitors have been world champions and... Metal expectations have been there. Let's compare that to the Campbell sisters. Uh, Yeah, true. Kate and Bronte. Kate and Bronte who uh, didn't perform to expectations expectations and were just absolutely shredded. Yeah. So does does, uh, Magnuson's got a little bit of a point there. uh, I'm setting him aside because he came out telling people to get ready, here I come, and all that, and then he didn't do it. Yeah, let's go to the Campbell sisters. Yeah. Uh, that's that's okay. probably the better example here. Like, compare them with someone like Chumpy Pullen, yeah. uh, or oh, I've forgotten the name, but there, there's a couple of world champions out there for Australia yeah. who are doing things there, who didn't win and got a. Oh well, it's the Winter Good Olympics. Idea. We don't really care about the Winter Olympics.
0: Yeah, so, I, I think that's generally what it is because we come from a a country where there's not really a, a huge amount of snow. There, we don't have historically the culture and so maybe it's not ingrained in us that we desperately want to win these events. The viewing public just watch it for a bit of entertainment and go, oh, wow, people are doing the ski slope style. That's completely and utterly mental, and they don't focus on the Australians because there's not many of them, even though there are some world champions. So maybe maybe it's yeah, the exposure to it. We see the swimming world championships and the swimming qualifiers on TV, Maybe it's a different cohort of people that watch the Summer Olympics than to, than watch the Winter Olympics, and the people that watch the Winter Olympics are just like, oh, it's cool. It's all about just competing. No, yeah, they're rating best.
1: rating really well the Winter Olympics, which yeah. surprised me. Mm. I yeah. I'm so what, sh- are you, what are you trying to say here? What I'm are you because really sure. you've you've walked both sides of the street, as they say in the business. What's what are you getting at here? I'm just I just don't think I, I think that the
0: the Winter Olympians. Seem to carry themselves with a little bit of a a, a persona that's just like, oh, we're really happy for everyone else, and then that flows through to the viewing public. Whereas the the Summer Olympics are seen as these like hard nosed uh, people who don't really care, and if they come second, they're like, oh, that was the worst thing ever, and that then goes to the public uh, and it determines how they think about them. Mm. I don't know mm. what I, I would be interested to hear the people. And what they think? Because, yes,
1: through some social media. Yeah, because I think James
0: Magnuson is probably a divisive character. And if it yeah, was, yeah, that's true. If it was one of the one of the Bronte sisters, Malawi's finest, just quietly. <laughs> if it was one of the Bronte sisters, then. <laughs> Then maybe it might be a little been seen a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's turn our attention then to Russian curling bronze medalists testing positive for meldonium. <laughs> meldonium, ironically, is the drug that Maria Sharapova tested positive to and spent two years on the pine for.
0: Yup. Yeah, yes. and there is uh, an article that has just come out that talks about what meldonium could do for a curling. Athlete, I haven't had a chance to read that yet, but I'll be trying to check that I'm down. genuinely
1: curious. Yeah. We are going to post that on facebook.com slash a sporting discussion and probably at ASD underscore radio on Twitter too, because I think everyone wants to know why the hell would someone who is in curling take drugs of any sort?
0: Yeah, and the the thing with the curling, oh, sorry, the thing with the meldonium is that that was one of the drugs that a number of Russian athletes have been have been found guilty of in in recent times. So, he won a bronze medal, he and his wife, in the curling. So, that was nice. That was a, a nice little bonding moment for hmm. them. But then, he's now he's busted. Busted. Yep. busted. But it's not the only drugs saga that's happened of late. And we talked just just to sort of set up something that we'll talk about later. We talked about Maria Sharapova and her meldonium. She did her time. She came back, and she was booed. And people were, like, oh, you can't come back. But every san- every drug has a a sanction, and then you can you're allowed to come back from it. It's in the rules. Yeah. So let's- you do
1: the crime, you serve your time, and then. Technically, you should have a clean slate. Exactly. So let's
0: let's put a pin in that. Australian marathoner, Cassie Feen, she recently accepted a nine month ban for taking hygienamine. Um, represented Australia twice at the World Half Marathon, tested positive in April twenty seventeen. Do you know
1: what does hygienamine do? I do not know. It it's, is banned. But it's banned, it's yes. It's
0: banned substance. Australian Sprinter. Today Jessica Paris yeah. was forced to withdraw from the Com Games selection trials because an unknown banned substance was detected in a sem- in a sample by taken by Sada her B sample will be tested in the next couple of days
1: so that would we know B samples coming back negative is rare rare, rare at best
0: yeah so Paris's 100 meter and 200 meter personal bests had been improved on Every time over that she had raced over the last little while, which was good for a Commonwealth Games uh, prospects, but it also caught the eye of Asada and the drug testers. So she may—we don't know because it all depends on the B sample. It depends on what the circumstances were. Because we know about the was it the one before the Olympics where someone's
1: rival spiked their oh, their yeah, drink. The, the Japanese. Oh, I can't remember the. Oh, that was actually, it might have been a kayaker. Yeah, the kayakers. Yeah. That's right. Yep, we so, spoke about that a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and, it, and we said people can, they do the time, they can come back. Mm. Now,
1: that's the, the whole. That's the beauty of the justice system. Yeah, yeah. yeah or the okay. or the Asada slash the ASADA. system. Yeah.
0: So we don't obviously want anyone to be doing those those drugs, but they do their time and they they choose to to come back. If you compare that to people who break the law,
1: similar. Mm. You're talking uh, criminal actions. Break and
0: enter. I'm talking assault. I'm
1: talking stealing
0: cars and various other things.
1: Well, there's no shortage of candidates for that.
0: Yeah. And people have minor misdemeanors. Todd Carney in the NRL had a number of minor misdemeanors that went to Mm. that also. Was, I think
1: was he a, had a lot of uh, – quite a big portfolio of antisocial behavior, some drink driving, yep. high-range drink driving where he ran out, he ran away from the car uh, mm. and got arrested later, and then the infamous bubbler incident where he was oh, urinating yes. into his own mouth. Yep. Uh, but he was deregistered by the NRL, so he went over and played in oh, – I think it was France – in the English Super League for the French team um, – and now he's back in Australia, but still not being registered by the NRL. And when you compare Todd Carney's portfolio of work to Matthew Lodge's portfolio mm. of work, who has recently, who has playing for the Brisbane Broncos this year. Yes. There's no comparison. So Matthew Lodge,
0: he got signed for the Broncos this year. He played in the Queensland club competition last year because he needed to spend 12 months doing that before the NRL would allow him to be uh, registered. Why? What did Matthew Lodge do that led to this situation?
1: Well, you'd think there was a tip-off when he played for uh, New South Wales under-20s. And copped three weeks for being televised with wrist strapping with the word C U
0: mm. Asterix
1: T written on it in giant, glorious capital letters. That gives you a, uh, an indication of where his brain's at. Right. Um, then it gets better. Someone very conveniently put a list together of uh, because someone, uh, an article was written on Fox League website by Jimmy Hooper, James Hooper, mm. uh, titled Why Matt Lodge Deserves a che- Second Chance But Not a Third. And someone responded with, sacked from Penrith, sacked from Melbourne, suspended from the Tigers, then then gets into trouble in New York, then sacked by the Tigers, then suspended by St. Pat's Blacktown, but he deserves a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Now, you've glossed over one. You've glossed over one there, the New York incident. Yeah, the New York incident. This is incident. the one where I'm thinking, if you break the law, you can come back or in terms of drugs, but this is a... Different kettle of fish. Now he
1: actually spent time in the notorious Rikers Island prison for this in the states. Yep, but got a conditional discharge as part of a plea that included completing community service and undertaking treatment for anger and alcohol management. Uh, what he did is it's just incredible. We won't. It, it'll, it'll take too t- long. Give, me, to yeah, give go us a quick summary. The quick summary is <laughs> he followed someone
0: into their apartment, screaming at them that he wanted to take them back to Australia. He then was confronted by the apartment owner, put
1: them in a headlock and was uh, a- yeah. assaulting them. Here we go. Uh, um, he followed two women, like you said, yep. down the street into an apartment building, telling them that tonight was the night they were going to die That's the do line. they want to die. Grabbed them violently by the shoulders so they could not escape. Uh, this said, this is the night you're going to die. Uh, then a guy who lived in the building heard the women frantically calling for help and then he went to the front door and Lodge grabbed him and made death threats. He then forced his way into this guy's apartment where his wife, I think it is, and their nine-year-old were sleeping and shouted all sorts of things and then started smashing furniture plates and other items. Uh, He put the... The guy who came to help in a headlock punched him several times in the head and pushed him against the wall. And then he approached the bathroom where the woman and her son were, had locked themselves mm. in there, and he punched the door, punched a hole in the door. Uh, here's the key bit. And I've shortened this up, believe it or not. <laughs> the family was so terrified by the incident that they had to move out of the apartment. And their son, who told his mum during the incident, I'm too young to die, suffered from night terrors and had to see a child therapist. Uh, the oh. child is haunted by the fear that Lodge might seek them out and the wife suffers from trouble sleeping, night terrors, nervousness and anxiety whenever she's in the dark. My now, lord. And he got, it was required, and he, he can't, but
0: he's required yeah, to pay something like 1. One $1.5 mil, in, in damages. And that's,
1: yeah, it, I mean, that's that's US justice for you. I mean, but
0: it's all, it also, so there's
1: there's the psychological trauma. There's also the fact that he... Trashed the apartment. Trashed the apartment and terrified the women. Now, should someone like that be playing in the National Rugby League ahead of someone like Todd Carney, Andrew? Well,
0: I can't see how you can necessarily say someone with a bunch of minor indiscretions for being a, a drunken fool is not allowed, and then this guy who, that's just horrible stuff. But not only that, he's now a mentor... For uh, "quote unquote" fellow bad boy James Roberts, he's been appointed as an unofficial minder of of a perennial problem child.
1: Mm. So, Isn't that a good
0: idea? Well, he he has well, he hasn't had a drink since the incident, but
1: well, might the very least that he could have done. Yeah, literally, uh, probably the he should be in the big house. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah.
0: so it's, it's I don't know. There's there's lots of um, there's lots of sports people who we saw Jordan DeGoe in the AFL. He mm. uh, has a I think he's on his green peas actually, so
1: he should have had a zero. Yeah. and he was 0.092. Let two. me let me whip through something for you quickly. Okay, I'm going to read a list of names. All right, go. This is this is a bunch of people who have either had antisocial incidents mm-hmm. or drunken incidents, right? And, but not uh, gone to jail. Uh, well, some may have gone to jail. Okay. Some haven't gone to jail. All right, go. Right, so there's Lodge. Robert Louis, who got domestic violence. Mm. Russell Packer, who went to prison for knocking a guy out and stomping on his head. Blake Ferguson, who went to court and I think it ended up being thrown, not thrown out but quashed for sexual assault. Floyd Mayweather, who served two months out of three months sentence in prison for beating his missus in front of his children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Greg Hardy, who threatened his uh, partner at the time and threw her onto a couch full of fully automatic weapons. Ray Rice, who is a running back in the US, who was caught on camera knocking his wife out unconscious in a lift in Las Vegas, I think it was. Andrew Johns, who came out after his career saying he took drugs pretty much every night and got away with it all. Carmichael Hunt, who has recently just got out of court uh, facing cocaine charges. He's one of quite a few. Wayne Carey had his own uh, troubles in the AFL, Yes. Uh, putting it politely. Um, Michael Hooper, the Wallaby, yep. had a drunken incident as well. Uh, Danny Wicks, uh, who pl- is a prop in the NRL. Yep. Uh, I, th- I can't remember if he went to prison or not, but he got busted for drugs. Ricky Ponting used oh, to get pissed and, and punch on with blokes when he was younger. David Warner used to get yep. pissed and punch on with blokes when he was younger. Anna Flanagan, the hockey roo, mm. uh, got pissed and tried to drive a car and got yep. busted for that. Ben Stokes got pissed and punched that guy out out the front of the club for whatever reason. The guy was standing in front of him with his hands up saying, I think we're done here, and then Stokes potted him one. Yep uh what's his name? Uh Russell Mark and was it oh, Michael Diamond. Michael Russell Diamond and Russell Mark, yeah. Mark, who have both had their problems. Luke Hodge, the inspirational captain right. of Hawthorne, who'd been drink driving uh and got away with it because it was finals time. Um that is that was just off the top of my head on the Greg way Bird. over. Greg Bird, yeah, geez, where do you begin with Greg Bird? Well you, you um, begin by
0: saying his his partner at the time saying, No, I deserve to be glassed in the face. Yeah, it was it was Weird. a
1: misunderstanding. So that, but that's all, just a list of people, and that's proven stuff. I haven't defamed uh, anyone there. That's stuff that's on the public record that they've either been charged with, done time for, or copped to themselves. And have they come back and all come back and played after the event? Well, the Floyd, majority have. Let me put it this way. Floyd Mayweather went to prison in 2012 yeah okay um, yep. probably the Greg Hardy uh, who threw his allegedly threw his partner onto the bed full of guns, yep. um, played NFL the next year for the Dallas Cowboys right, so probably the only one who hasn 't had a career afterward after it was Ray Rice, and that 's because um, it was all caught on video and oh, initially okay, yeah. he was suspended for two weeks God. by the NFL uh, commissioner. Robert Louis still plays rugby league. He's over in um, uh, playing over in England. Russell Packer was recently announced one of five captains for West Tigers. Oh yeah. Blake Ferguson still plays Absolutely. for Australia, New South Wales, and the Roosters. So there's so there's a lot of people who have done. You get things, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But have they done anything quite as bad as
0: as what Matthew Lodge has? Probably not. And he is allowed back in the the system. I don't. I don't know. the 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 court system says you are free to you are a free citizen. Mm,
1: but what does the sports system say? We we need this from the listeners as well at yeah. ASD underscore radio on the Twitter or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. It's fine if someone does the crime, does the time, and comes back. But what do you think of someone like Matt Lodge being able to be registered for the NRL ahead of someone like Todd Carney, mm. who's just a drunken clown, really?
0: AJ, that is almost it for this edition of a sporting need, discussion. Need something happier, Andrew. I've I can, got all worked up there. I can provide you with two things happier than that. One, Melbourne City in the W League, they won their third premiership in a row on the weekend just gone. You know what's even more remarkable about that? It's only their third season in the competition. Not bad. Yep. <laughs> the last two years, they won it from fourth position.
1: I think it was a record crowd in that grand final too. Just it under was... seven grand or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Record for a, a, a W League grand final, which is good. So Jess Fishlock was the absolute
0: star of the match, but that's actually not the best sustained brilliance over an really? recent seasons. A back to back to back. Yeah. What's what's the, better than that? The New South Wales Breakers in the Women's National Cricket League, the domestic fifty-over competition, they have just qualified for the grand final which is good. It is their 22nd Grand Final in a row in a competition (laughs) that has been running for 22 years. Wow. They've made every single final.
1: (laughs) I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah.
0: They lost to South Australia two years ago, I think it was, and they've they've won... uh, Hideous amount of these finals, but they are in their twenty-second final in a row, which is just an amazing amount of sustained excellence That's by really the, good. the New Zealand, uh, the New South Wales women's cricket team. Is that are, that? are they some happy things to finish on, AJ? Yeah, let's let's let's
1: wrap it up. Have you got that. anything else that you that you want to get off your chest? No, nah, I think I think I'm angry enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: there were a few things that we. Want feedback from our listeners? We'll put them out on the social medias at ASD underscore radio Facebook dot com slash sporting discussion. But AJ, that'll do. Let's get out of here. Have a good time, everybody.